Welcome to the 237th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I am your host for today, Patrick Winograd. I promise next week we will be back to normal, but once again, some uh, scheduling with travel and all that stuff has messed up the podcast, but I will be back home next week, so that will that will fix things. Um, but in this edition, our topics are an overview of my weekend predictions, our look at week 13 of college football, our look at week 12 at the NFL, our weekly look at the NBA, and our weekly look at college basketball. So let's jump right in with a look back at my weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. Starting in the NFL, where I went 4-0 in those predictions. Uh, in college football, I went 2-2. Two two. In the NBA, I went 1-3. Maybe some uh, regression back to the mean there. Uh, and then in college basketball, I went 3-1. and one. Uh, So overall, a strong week. That was a 10-6 and six combined record, which brings me to 883 and 578 overall, a 60.4 winning percentage. I said my goal was to hit 900 wins before 1,500 total games predicted because that would mean I'm still at above 60%. It looks like I should be able to do that um, as currently I would need to go 17 and 22 to do that. And the last two weeks pace, that would be more than on pace to actually get there. Um, but let's go back to the NFL for a bit. Uh, it started on Thursday night where the Niners beat the Seahawks. The Niners kind of own this matchup in general, so I felt very comfortable with this prediction. Uh, they won this one 31-13. The Jaguars beat the Texans 24-21. Uh, this game ended because the Texans missed a potential game-tying field goal. Uh, so this one was really close, but the Jaguars getting their revenge on the Texans who beat them earlier in the year and obviously had been surging all year long, so a potential playoff team there. That matchup has big, big playoff implications as those two don't play each other for for the rest of the season. Um, Then you have the Steelers. They beat the Bengals 16-10, to uh, a matchup without Joe Burrow. That's kind of what you expect, but the Steelers played well in that game uh, after not defeating the Browns with a backup quarterback. So I guess technically they could have lost this game too. Um, But then the Eagles beat the Bills 37-34 in overtime. I have my thoughts on this game that I will uh, go back and – discuss more later but for now I'll move on to my college football predictions and rivalry week predictions I was two and two as I mentioned earlier uh, number three Michigan beat number two Ohio State 30 to 24 number six Oregon beat number 16 Oregon State 31 to 7 number 17 Iowa beat Nebraska 13 to 10 uh, and number 22 NC State beat North Carolina 39 to 20 those last two were the ones I got wrong the first two were the ones I got right so I got the higher ranked matchups right um, and then you know had to throw in some Rivalries that had uh, close lines, but lower ranked, uh, more unpredictable teams and uh, ended up getting those wrong. Not not feeling too bad about that. I don't really think I've watched much of NC State this year, to be fair. Uh, I've definitely watched a lot of Iowa as a Big Ten fan, um, but definitely uh, not not impressed with them as a team overall. But we'll we'll talk a little bit about them uh, later. Uh, but anyway, in the NBA, I went one and three. Uh, the Kings went on the road and beat the Timberwolves 124 to 111. The Timberwolves were 10 and three entering that game, having a really good season, but not able to put it together this weekend with that game against the Kings in the in-season tournament. Uh, the Knicks beat the Heat 100 to 98. This game was a big comeback uh, from the Knicks. I believe they were trailing at 20 by some point, pretty late in the game. Um, but they came back and they won that matchup. You know, a little bit of a revenge thing going there with uh how last postseason turned out for the Knicks, losing that series to the Heat, uh, who eventually, as we know, went to the NBA Finals. Um, and then the 76ers beat the Thunder 127-123. to 123. Uh, That was the one prediction I got right this weekend. 
Then the Lakers beat the Cavs 121-115. Donovan Mitchell had a chance to, uh, I think, tie or take the lead in this game uh, pretty late, but he missed that shot, and the Lakers uh, extended their lead on the late-game free throws. And then finally, in college basketball, I went 3-1. and one. Number three, Arizona beat number 21, Michigan State, 74-68. to 68. Michigan State shouldn't still be ranked. I, I, they have three losses at this point. It's just not – they shouldn't be. Um, but – you know, they've played a tough schedule and they started the season uh, ranked pretty high. Uh, they aren't ranked this week. I did just check just to make sure I was right on that. But, you know, I, I don't even know why they still have so many ranked votes. They're three and three. There are so many teams in the country that have one or two losses um, that were even either ranked preseason or unranked, but only have one one loss. They're undefeated, maybe have beaten some good teams. Those teams deserve some more love, in my opinion. Uh, one of those teams is Texas A&M. They only have one loss on the year. That was to FAU. Uh, this weekend, but they beat Penn State before they took on uh, FAU. That was in the ESPN Events Invitational. We'll talk more about that uh, event later. Uh, number 23, USC, beat Seton Hall 71-63. I have more on USC later also. Uh, and then Ohio State beat number 17, Alabama, 92-81. to um, Ohio State pulling off a big upset. They are pretty much right on the border of being ranked. They did not quite make it into the poll this week, but they are knocking on that door. Um, and it's some loud knocking that they're doing right now based on their schedule. They have only lost two Texas A&M this season. So um, they're another one of those teams that's deserving over a team like Michigan State, who, you know, I, I think in the long run, Michigan State will obviously be better than Ohio State. will finish higher in the Big Ten. But for now, one of them has one loss uh, to a ranked team, and the other one has three losses. And I know they're also to ranked teams, but, you know, three losses are three losses. And James Madison is only ranked because of the fact that they beat Michigan State. So, there's some uh, questions to the validity of that one ranked loss as well. Obviously, that was not a great loss. Um, but regardless, my predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website on Thursday. Um, and for now, we will move on to look at college football, starting with the best games of Week 13, starting with two games that were really, really ugly, but in different ways. Uh, Iowa against Nebraska. Ugly because there was no scoring. I mean, this game was just about as boring as anybody expected it to be. Somehow the under still uh, cashed in on this game which is ridiculous uh, as it was the lowest over under of all time, but Iowa now six weeks in a row or not six weeks in a row, but I think six, five or six games in a row. Uh, they've set that record for the lowest over under the under has hit anyway, uh, which is crazy. But, you know, I, I was talking about it with my dad. We were in the car and it was 10 to 10. And I was like, you know, one team's going to win this game on a field goal. It's not going to go to overtime. And then the under is still going to hit. Right. And well, that's exactly what Iowa did. Um, no, again, not a great game to watch, um, especially if you like offense, but if you like the 1950s and you want a flashback to that, you can go rewatch that game. It's a good flashback. The quarterbacks might as well have not been throwing forward passes. Um, but then number 20, Oklahoma state beat BYU in double overtime. BYU took a 24 to six halftime lead over Oklahoma state after cashing in on really just a lot of dumb mistakes by the Cowboys in the first half. Um, and Oklahoma State had an appearance in the, in the Big 12 championship game on the line in this game. So this was a very, very important game. It's also potentially important for playoff seeding, depending on what happens in the other games. Because, you know, Texas getting a win over Oklahoma, avenging that early season loss and really rounding out their resume and being definitively better than Alabama if they also only have one loss. Um, and that loss obviously being to Texas, that would be a big deal. But because they're playing Oklahoma State, you know, it's not going to be as prestigious of a win. It's still going to be a top 20 win. Um, it, it, it might border on a top 15 win, honestly. I don't know what the playoff committee is going to do this week with the rankings, but I'd imagine Oklahoma State at least moves ahead of Oregon State. 
I don't see them jumping a team like Iowa, so they probably won't get into the top 15. Uh, but, you know, maybe they might jump Louisville too. I mean, it's really hard to know with the playoff committee. Um, but they will be somewhere in that probably 15 to – or 16 to 20 range still, although maybe on the higher end after the end of this weekend. Um, but then the most important game of the weekend, uh, de facto playoff quarterfinal game, if you will. Uh, number three, Michigan – maybe a preview of kind of what will happen next year. Uh, number three, Michigan – beat number two, Ohio State, 30-24. to 24. Ohio State outgained Michigan, but losing the turnover battle was the thing that did them in. Um, Ryan Day talked about it. He said that they needed to win the turnover battle and win the battle on the ground. They did neither of those things. They had one drive in the second half where uh, they really imposed their will on Michigan, ran the ball a lot, and scored a touchdown um, and against a really stingy red, red zone defense, I might add. But Michigan was able to play their game in the second half. Both teams only had four drives. Two of Ohio State's didn't end in scores, um, including the one interception that was at the very end of the game, whereas Michigan scored on all four of those possessions, albeit two, three of them excuse me, were field goals. So Michigan definitely could have made this game even more of a blowout. It could have been very similar to kind of the last two years where it felt close, but by the end when you look at the final score, it's a, fit, it's a two- or three-possession game. Um, if Michigan was able to cash in with touchdowns instead of field goals, that, I mean – do the math. That would have been 28 points in the second half rather than 16. And all of a sudden now you're looking at 42 to 24 rather than 30 to 24, but Michigan was able to hang on with that late game interception uh, after the scoring started via a Kyle McCord interception. And then Michigan uh, running a four play seven yard drive, which is uh, something you don't see very often. Um, but the Wolverines did just enough uh, despite being outgained in the total yardage battle. They just stayed aggressive enough. Ohio State never went for it on fourth down. Michigan was three for three on fourth down. Uh, when Ohio State didn't go for it, they missed a field goal at the end of the first half. That could have been pretty important um, late in the game because they did almost get into field goal range. Maybe they were in field goal range. They were pretty close. Um, but they couldn't kick a field goal because they needed six points to tie. If they had only needed three to tie and send it to overtime, well, maybe, they, maybe this game would have ended up differently. Um, but you know, a lot of stuff you can point to. I think Ryan Day actually had the right game plan. He did have in mind that you'd have to win the rushing battle like the winning team has done, I think, for the last 20 or 22 years, whatever it was. It just didn't work out that way. Um, and Michigan was able to come out with the victory and look like the better team heading into the playoff. And that's the third year in a row that, that has happened. Um, and then you have number five, Florida State, speaking of the playoff, who gutted out a victory against Florida. Against Florida. Uh, they were down 15 to 14 heading into the fourth quarter. But Florida's inability to cash in in the red zone really, really screwed them over in this game, frankly. Uh, Florida State had a tough time settling into the game. Didn't really get anything going offensively with Rodemaker at quarterback uh, now that Jordan Travis is injured. And they do look vulnerable against a team like Louisville, but we'll, we'll talk about Louisville in a second. Um, but Florida State did end up pulling out the victory in the swamp. Wouldn't be surprised to see the playoff committee um, well, okay. You know what? They already did make the Washington move. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Well, also, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they decided to let even Oregon jump Florida State based on just the eye test now that they've seen a game with Rodemaker at quarterback against a decent team. I think it would be really, really stupid to do that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did because um, it also could mean that Oregon – would get the th Florida state might still make the playoff and maybe Oregon gets the three seed. Um, if there's a, uh, if there's, if they win the PAC 12 championship instead of getting the four seed. Um, so we'll see what might happen with that. Um, but for now it's Florida state 
uh, still in playoff contention. If they win, they should be in. I, I don't really see how you could exclude them no matter what happens. If they're 13-0 and and they've won a conference, they shouldn't be excluded from the playoff, regardless of how they look in the eye test right now. And also, speaking of the eye test, number four, Washington beat Washington State 24-21. to They don't look too good on the eye test themselves. I mean, they have played really, really close against a lot of teams down the stretch, and I don't think that most of those teams should be pushing them uh, as much as they have. Um, so I'm not going to say like I'm disappointed in Washington or anything, um, but they definitely don't. It, it, to me, it looks like Michigan, Oregon, and Georgia are the three clear teams that are in the national championship contenders right now. Um, I think Vegas backs that up because they seem to think that Oregon's loss to Washington was a little bit fluky, which I tend to agree with. Oregon missed a bunch of different fourth, fourth down conversions. I had a few bad decisions on going for it on fourth down in the first place. And, and in the end, still could have won the game um, when they played earlier this season. And Oregon has looked better since then, whereas Washington has looked worse since that game. Um, I think Oregon's favored by like nine or nine and a half in that matchup in the Pac-12 championship game. I do think they're probably the third best team in the country behind Michigan and Georgia. Um, and it'll make for an interesting matchup, but I'll talk more about Oregon later. For now, number eight, Alabama saved their season with a fourth and goal conversion of 30 yards um, over to get the victory over Auburn. You know, there's been a lot of devil magic going on, if you, if you will, um, for Auburn at Jordan Hare stadium to beat Alabama in the past. And this year, it reversed course and Alabama was able to pull out a very, very close win over a honestly not so great Auburn team. I mean, this team just lost to New Mexico state last weekend at home. Like this is not that great of a team. Uh, so Alabama continues to fail the eye test. Uh, I'm of the opinion that, well, I don't think they should miss the playoff no matter what, even if they win the sec championship game, but I do think they should be relying on other scenarios. I think Texas has proven that they're better than Alabama, A, by beating them at Alabama. And I don't care how much Alabama's gotten better over the season. I think Texas has actually looked better as the season has gone on as well. Um, but it'll be an interesting thing. Uh, we'll have those discussions next week based on what actually happens with the playoffs. So I won't speculate for now because they still have to go out there and beat Georgia. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but now I'll move on to the most impressive teams of week 13. Number six, Oregon, beat number 16, Oregon State, 31-7. Like I said, this team is just on the eye test. They are just the best example of eye test over resume um, that you could find. They just look better than a lot of the teams ranked ahead of them. Um, and I think that will reflect itself in the rankings by the end of the season, and I think they'll probably beat Washington and end up in the playoff, and that is how it should be anyway. Um, and then speaking of avenging earlier season losses, uh, number seven, Texas, beat Texas Tech 57-7. to now, keep in mind everything I just said about Oregon. Texas Tech had Oregon down to one possession game. Oregon barely escaped with a victory uh, over the Red Raiders. So for Texas to come out and beat this team by 50, I know it's a different team later in the year than it was earlier in the year, but this Texas Tech team has enough talent uh, that they shouldn't be losing by 50 to anybody. So Texas continues to also look good. Those two teams at 11-1 and one with a chance to win their conference, um, hoping that Ohio State ends up under them in the rankings this week. And then you will you would have Oregon at five and Texas at six. Um, and then they have to root for a Louisville loss. Um, especially if you're tech or sorry, a Louisville win over Florida state, uh, especially if you're Texas, you're rooting for that one. Um, and then Oregon, they control their destiny. They would be number five and they're playing number four. So they should be, or actually they'll be playing number three. If, if they keep everything the same and just move Ohio state down, uh, which I expect them to do. Um, but 
yeah, Oregon controls their destiny. If they beat Washington, they should be in. Number five team beats the number three team in the country, wins a conference. That should be a trip to the playoff. And Texas will probably have to rely on Florida State losing. Um, they might just end up one team out. And I think people might be upset about that, but I think that's just the way it is. That's just the reality of the situation um, with three potentially three undefeated teams. I mean, there's also a world in which, you know, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington all win, and you have four 13-0 conference champions, and there's no way that Texas could get in over them, despite the fact that they have that win at Alabama. Um, but then you go to the biggest upsets of Week 13. Kentucky beat number 10, Louisville, 38-31. to This is probably the only real upset of the week, but the fact of the matter is, Louisville could have technically made the playoff. I mean, they did only have one loss uh, heading into this game. Their resume is definitely not as strong as a team like Oregon or Texas, but in a scenario where they beat Florida State, and some other craziness happens, you know, maybe Oklahoma state beats Texas and Louisville sitting there at, a, at 12 and one as a conference champion. They kind of had a chance. Um, I don't know if that would have been enough anyway, but they did. They, they, they had a small, small chance to make the playoff. And now they don't have any uh, after that loss, even if they win, they're not getting it as a two loss conference champion. It's just not going to happen. Um, but that it's a really disappointing loss. If you're a Louisville fan, because the fact of the matter is, even if you're, you don't think they could have backdoored in the playoff or had some interesting route to take to get in, they would still like to have a good end to the season, and they're not going to do that now that they've had their loss to their rival. Um, but that's all I have for college football. I will move on now to a look at the NFL. We will start, as always, with the closest games of Week 12. The Steelers beat the Bengals 16-10. to This one uh, required a comeback for the Steelers, and Kenny Pickett was able to do that. I believe they got 400 total yards for like the first time since... I want to say 2020, uh, maybe even before that. But the Steelers had been, you know, outgained in every single game this year, despite being six and four heading into the week. Um, they were able to finally reverse that trend this week, um, and it led to a victory. Who, who would have thought they outgained the Bengals by 200, well, 199 yards. Sorry for the bad math there. Uh, but 421 to 222. Um, and look, it, yes, it's Jake Browning. Um, but you got to give a lot of credit to the Steelers' defensive line for holding the Bengals' run game that had gotten going in check. Uh, the Bengals only had 25 rushing yards on 11 attempts. So uh, a solid job by their defense there, keeping them in the game and doing just enough that the offense eventually turned in all of those yards and turned them into points. Um, and eventually, the Steelers came away with the victory. They are now 7-4 and four in prime position for the playoffs, uh, although not to win the division because, well, the Ravens are still nine and three, and we'll talk about the Ravens later. Actually, I'll talk about them now. The Ravens went on the road and beat the Chargers 20 to 10. Chargers now four and seven on the season. Uh, this game could have kept them in the playoff hunt at five and six. Um, and, you know, with a lot of games against teams that are also in the hunt, including Denver and Kansas City, who are in their division. But as a result, instead, they are far down that race. Uh, actually, only the Patriots have a worse record in the entire AFC than the Chargers. It's crazy how good the AFC is across the board um, that you can say that, but they have the same record as the Jets, the same record as Tennessee, um, worse than a lot of other playoff contenders who haven't had great seasons like the Bengals. Um, and then, you know, worse than some teams like the Colts who are six and five or the Texans who are six and five. So not a good look for the Chargers, but meanwhile, the Ravens just continue to roll along uh, they will try to be the team that claims home field as that would be a huge advantage um, for them to be playing the AFC championship game in Baltimore rather than in Kansas city. Um, we'll see if they are able to do that or not. Um, but the Ravens do have somewhat, they have a pretty tough end to the season. Honestly, they play 
the Rams aren't necessarily a, a great opponent, but the Ravens do get them off a of bye week, so that should help. But then they have the Jaguars, the Niners, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. So all those teams seven and four better. Uh, actually, all of those teams eight and three, except the Steelers, who are seven and four. So it's it's going to be a tough end to the season for the Ravens. Uh, but I think they're up to the challenge. I don't know if they're necessarily going to come out with home field based on that schedule, but um, they nonetheless have a shot at doing that, and we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, then you have the Colts who beat the Buccaneers 27-20 to to move to 6-5 and five on the season. Pretty important win for the Colts, who are kind of a surprising team that's still in the hunt. Um, but the fact of the matter is, right now, uh, they're, they're in position. I mean, they're in a great position to make the playoffs. They are in the playoffs right now uh, if the season ended today uh, as the seventh seed. So considering all the things that have happened to them, Anthony Richardson out for the season, um, it's a good season for the Colts. You know, all the Jonathan Taylor stuff is now behind them. He's now playing. He's playing well. Um, it's been a good season for Indianapolis, and I think they'll show signs of improvement as the year goes on and continue to get better heading into next season when maybe Anthony Richardson takes over full time um, and is healthy. Uh, but then he, the Packers who beat the Lions 29 to 22 at the start of the Christmas uh, Christmas. Wow. Uh, I wish it was Christmas. Uh, the start of the Thanksgiving day slate. Um, they won. They were up 20 to six heading into the second quarter up 23 to six at the half. And the Lions did mount second half comeback uh, to keep this game close, make it 29 to 22. That's why it ended up on here, but good win for the Packers. Um, and when you look at things, you know, there are, I, I said how good the AFC means. That means in turn that the NFC isn't very good. Currently, the six and six Vikings are in playoff position and the five and six Atlanta Falcons are winning their division. Um, so you can easily backdoor into the playoffs, even if you're a few games under 500 currently uh, as an NFC team. The Rams and the Packers are both, and the Saints actually also, are all a half game out of the playoffs right now, just behind Minnesota, who's at six and six and obviously has Josh Dobbs at quarterback. So, you know, if you're the Rams, you feel confident that with Sta- if Stafford stays healthy, you can make it. If you're the Saints, you feel like you can probably beat the Falcons when you play them again at the end of the season and you can claim the division title. Um, and, you know, if you're the Packers, you just you can say we just beat the Lions. Uh, we just beat the Chargers the week before that. We've been playing better. We beat the Rams already, so we have a tiebreaker over them. And you still have a game against the Vikings. And other than that, a really well, other than that game, and a game against Kansas City, they have a really, really light schedule. They play the Giants, the Bucks, the Bears, um, and the Panthers. So some bad teams that they're that are in their way. They can easily make a playoff push. It just depends on how many wins are going to be enough to get in the playoffs. I could easily see that team uh, winning all those games though and ending nine and eight, even if they don't beat the Vikings or pull off a ridiculous upset over Kansas City. Um, but moving on from that, I already talked about this a little bit, but the Jaguars beat the Texans. Very important for playoff positioning. Then the Eagles beat the Bills 37 to 34 uh, in overtime. The Bills just, look, they changed the overtime rules because of Josh Allen, right? We all know this. Um, and then the Bills went down the field and scored a field goal in this game. And Josh Allen's 0-5 with the new overtime rules. It's, a really, it's just a really weird stat. I feel like that's the football god saying this is why you don't change the rules. Um, I do like the new overtime rules. I, I 100% uh, I'm in favor of them, but, and I complained about them when the Bills lost, but the fact of the matter is the Bills have not able, have not been able to win those games in overtime. And as a result, since they can't win close games this year, either, they're now 10th technically in the up down standings of the AFC behind Denver and Houston and Indy, who are all six and five uh, in the seven, eight and nine spots. So Buffalo really has some wins that they need to scrape out at the end of the year. And it's not going to get any easier in terms of the schedule. They play the Chiefs and the Cowboys in the next two weeks. 
Uh, and they've already lost the Broncos, so they don't have that tiebreaker. So this is going to be an interesting end to the season for the Bills. There's a good chance they're eight, they're six and eight, um, and fighting for a playoff spot, hoping that they can beat the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Dolphins to get there. Um, I don't think that will happen. I think they'll find a way to beat one of Kansas City or Dallas, probably Dallas at home, because uh, Dallas tends to just beat up on the bad teams and you know not beat the good teams. But I do think that there is a chance they're six and eight. I'm going to say they're going to be seven and seven, but they might be six and eight, and that would be really, really tough to come back from in a loaded AFC. Um, but now I will move on to the most impressive teams of Week 12, starting with the 49ers, uh, who just hammered the Seahawks. I mean, it's kind of business as usual um, for them, uh, able to pull off that win against the Seahawks on Thanksgiving. Then you have the Dolphins, who won 34-13. to 13. This defense just looks really, really good as the season has progressed. Uh, they, had an, they had a pick six on a Hail Mary, which is probably the most Jets thing of all time. Maybe the Dolphins don't belong on most impressive teams. Maybe the Jets belong on their own list of least impressive teams. But for now, uh, we don't have one of those. So I have to leave it like this. And then finally, the Broncos beat the Browns 29 to 12. Uh, they were running like zone. Re they looked like an Auburn team with Cam Newton or something like that. It was weird, but it worked really, really well. They got the Browns defense to over pursue uh, a lot of inside runs. And Russ would, take the Russ would uh, keep the ball instead of handing it off. Uh, it worked well, and they got enough points to beat the Browns. Uh, the Browns obviously weren't going to score that much with uh, DTR playing quarterback and then eventually P.J. Walker later in the game. Um, but the Broncos, they did get enough offensive production uh, to sustain them for the victory, uh, and their defense has really stepped up recently, and that has continued. And if it does continue, this is definitely a playoff team. I know that people have said they can kind of just be a team that plays spoiler uh, to other teams but the way that some other teams have been playing recently I'm looking at the Bills mainly um, the Broncos could easily win I mean they could easily easily make it to the playoffs uh, I, I see three wins on their schedule that are pretty pretty secure with the Patriots uh, the Raiders and then one of the games against the Chargers I think they'll be able to pull out uh, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win both but I think they'll win one and then, you know, it's possible. I don't think they're going to beat the Lions, but it's possible they could. And then this weekend, they already have a, a matchup with the Texans. That's going to be really important um, for the playoffs with both of those teams sitting at 6-5. and five. I would probably take the Texans in that one, and you'll probably see that in my prediction soon. Um, but I do think that'll be a close game, and I think it'll be really, really interesting to see if the Broncos do pull that out because if they can pull that one out, then this team is actually not, not scary, but they're, they're, they would look really, really good. Um, and be in a pretty good position to make the playoffs if they can win that game. Um, but that's all I have for the NFL. I will move on now to our recap of the NBA. Uh, and I'm only doing most impressive teams this week because there's so much action in college basketball. There's so much stuff going on in college football with it being the last week. I will bring the least impressive back in a week or two, maybe maybe next week, honestly, considering that it's just conference championship games um, in, the, in, in college football. And then in the NFL, there are a lot of teams on by next week. Um, but for now, it's just going to be most impressive teams of the week. And why not? Let's let's be positive. Get in the holiday spirit uh, before December starts off. But the Magic are number one on this list. They went 4-0 this week. They beat Charlotte, Boston, Denver, and Toronto. They were a team I had my eyes on heading into the season as a potential, like, 2022 Oklahoma City-type team. Um, but that doesn't mean making the playoffs. That doesn't mean seven-game winning streak and a 12-5 and record to start the season, which is the second best in the East through one-fifth of the season. This is way better than I thought they would be. Um, and by the way, OKC has also been way better than I thought they would be this season. Um, but, you know, I thought they would maybe be a play-in contender. The East is weaker, so it's obviously easier, easier to do that in the first place. 
So I thought, you know, they might be like a 2022 Oklahoma City. They might contend for the play-in, and considering it's the East, I think they'd probably make it um, and maybe make a playoff game if they if they kind of clutched up in those few games. But that's really tough considering they have a young team. But all of a sudden, this team has looked great. I mean, there's just – I can't really say many bad things about them, and there's a reason why they're number one on this list. Um, and now I'll move on to the second team on this list, who I also don't have any bad things to say about, although I had some bad things to say about them at the beginning of the season. It's the Phoenix Suns. They also went 4-0 this week. They beat New York. They beat Memphis. They beat Golden State. And they beat Portland. Uh, so just like the Magic, not exactly, not an easy schedule. Definitely easier than some. But, you know, they still played some good teams. It was Chris Paul's revenge game, although Scott Foster ruined that. Uh, so that didn't really happen. Um, but the Suns are the hottest team in the NBA right now. And I think it really makes sense. When Devin Booker is healthy, this team is just ridiculously efficiently ridiculously efficiently ridiculously efficient on the offensive end um and they have now won seven games in a row just like the magic uh, although their record is 11 and 6 on the season after they had a rough four and six start but look the suns are starting to kind of come into their own and start to look like the team that everybody thought they could be heading into the season so it's pretty interesting um what the suns are able to do um when they're fully healthy and i think bradley beal hasn't even played that much i'm gonna be honest i obviously haven't been paying that much attention to the NBA um, as it's the end of college football season. It's the very beginning of college basketball season. As we all know, I'm a college basketball over NBA guy. I, uh, you can you can complain about that all you want. Um, I understand that the NBA is a better product, but I still like watching college basketball more because it's more fun and I'm more of a nerd about it. Um, and as we know with my bracketology, I take that very seriously. Um, but then I will get off my little high horse about college basketball for a second and talk about the Rockets. Um, they went 2-0 this week. Hard to put them on here when they're only 2-0, but you know what? They deserve it. Um, they beat Denver, uh, and they beat Memphis. The streakiness, though, continues. Um, they're now 8-6 and six with a chance to win their group for the in-season tournament now that they've beaten Denver, which is not bad given the expectations for this team preseason. Uh, like I said, though, the streakiness has continued. They, they, they went on a six-game. They went on a giant losing streak uh, to end up at 6-6 six and six in the first place, um, but who knows? Now that they've won two in a row, maybe they get going again. Maybe they end up at 10 or 11 and six before they lose another game. And then, you know, maybe after that, they might lose four or five in a row again, but we'll see. Um, for now, the Rockets are currently above 500 and looking pretty good as the season goes on. And then lastly, I want to talk about the Nets. Uh, they're fourth on here. They went two and one this week. Nothing crazy. They beat Chicago and Miami. They lost to Atlanta in a really, really close high scoring game. But the Nets are just a team that doesn't get talked about much. I mean, after all the roster turnover from a super team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden into, you know, whatever you want to call them now, it does make sense that no one talks about them, but they're eight and eight. And honestly, in my, in my opinion, they are the definition of a quote unquote solid NBA team. Uh, I don't think this team has any chance of winning a first round series, but I also don't think they have any chance of missing the play. in They might lose in the play in, they might lose in the first round. They might get swept. But this team will be there at the end of the year. They will at least have a role to play in the playoff race. They're currently 8-8. Eight and eight. They're nothing special. But I did just want to say that considering how bad they could have been and, you know, all the roster turnover they've had, they're not, they're not really as bad as it could be. Um, so credit to the Nets for staying solid amidst all that turnover. And then, speaking of turnovers, let's go turn it over to college basketball uh obviously this was the big big week uh, all of those beginning of the season tournaments the maui invitational the battle for atlantis the espn events invitational 
um, all that stuff. There are some more that I, I'll talk about later that I didn't just mention, but it started off, uh, we were, we were kind of midway through um, the Maui Invitational. I think we were already at the semifinals the last time I talked about it, but we had the two matchups that looked like potential final four matchups set up number four Marquette against number one, Kansas and number two Purdue against number seven, Tennessee Marquette beat Kansas 73 to 59. Uh, this was a big win. I mean, obviously, you know, people believed in Marquette before, but this really, really spiked the belief, especially for me. I, I didn't think that they were going to be this good, but now I'm convinced I currently have them as the number two team in the country. I know a lot of people probably have Arizona, but I do have Marquette for now. Um, and then you look at Purdue, they beat number seven, Tennessee, 71-67. We'll get to why Purdue is number one in a second. But um, Tennessee looked good in this game. I, I honestly, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't buying the hype before I saw them play. But now that I've seen them play a few games, I get what all the hype is about. Dalton Connect is really, 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 really good. Um, and I didn't expect, I won't say I didn't expect that, but I didn't expect him to basically sustain the exact same production he had at Northern Colorado at a high major school. I did think he'd be, you know, 13, 14 point a game guy. Um, but it, I don't know statistically what it actually comes out to, but it feels like he's, yeah, he is averaging more. He's averaging 17 and a half points, five rebounds per game. I, I thought he would probably level out at 13 or 14, but he's really, really stepped it up for Tennessee early on in the season. Um, and that's against tough competition. So that number can even go, that, that number can go up more as the year goes on. Um, but then you had Florida state who beat number 18, Colorado, 77 to 71 in overtime. Not going to say too much about it. Uh, it's an important win for a Florida State team who got hammered by Florida early. Uh, but this is now one of their – This is that was their only loss. Uh, Florida looks pretty good themselves. So maybe Florida State is, is kind of a sleeper team in the ACC that could pull off some upsets, uh, make some no – not make some noise in the tournament, but make some noise on the bubble and maybe make the tournament despite having a team that, you know, wasn't so great last year. Um, but, you know, they've had success in the past. It wouldn't be surprising at all if Florida State had a good year. Um, and then you have the big games of the weekend. Uh, Kansas beat number seven, Tennessee, 69 to 60 in the third place game of the Maui Invitational. It's crazy because that would be a first place game in literally any other field this year. Um, but Maui somehow got like all of the good teams there. Um, and then number two, Purdue beat Marquette 78 to 75 to win the Maui Invitational. I still think, I think this was number one versus number two. I, I think that game proved it to me. I, I was already on the train that Purdue would be number one. Uh, if they were able to beat Kansas and then they didn't get, they didn't even get the opportunity because Marquette did it for them. Um, but fact of the matter is after, after seeing, first of all, Purdue play the way they did over the weekend, or I guess that was in the middle of last week, uh, but la the way they've been playing and then to see them come in and beat the team that did beat Kansas, Marquette had a lot of momentum going into that game, um, but Purdue was able to shut them down and they deserve a lot of credit. I think they're the best team in the country as a result. Um, speaking of another good team that, I'm actually probably really low on compared to other people. Number 11, Gonzaga beat UCLA 69 to 65. I think you'll see in my newest bracket that uh, I don't I don't even think I have them in the top 25, um, but it's more of a resume thing. They're only four and one on the year. They don't really have, this is their only quality win. Um, and UCLA doesn't have any quality wins themselves. Um, so I don't necessarily think that uh, resume wise that Gonzaga deserves to be up there because UCLA has literally beaten St. Francis, Lafayette, Long Island, and Chaminade. Um, and they don't really play anybody until their conference schedule. Obviously, they were supposed to play – well, okay, I take that back. They play Villanova and Ohio State. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize they played those teams in random games in December. But that'll be where UCLA can kind of prove themselves. Gonzaga will probably benefit from UCLA getting better as the season goes on. Um, that win will look better and better. But for now, 
their resume doesn't measure up to some of the other teams that have five or six wins. Uh, they're either undefeated, that if you're looking at a BYU or a Colorado State, or they have only one loss like an FAU or a Creighton or an AM. Um, but anyway, speaking of those teams, um, well, not quite yet. But number three, Arizona beat number 21, Michigan State, 74 to 68. And I will skip over that game and talk about those types of teams. Colorado State beat number eight, Creighton, 69 to 48. They hammered Creighton. Um, they moved up to number 20 in the country. But Creighton's still 15, so that's not enough to me. Um, you don't beat a team by 20 just by luck. If they beat them close, that'd be one thing. But they didn't beat them close. And they've won every game this year by eight points or more. The only close game they played was against Louisiana Tech in their opener. Uh, they put up 100 on Wright State. They beat Northern Colorado by 20. They beat Kansas City by 20. They beat Boston College by 12, who I don't think had, yeah, hadn't lost a game heading into that. And they pulled off this over Creighton. This is a really, really good team. And they will prove it again when they play Colorado tomorrow night um, in Fort Collins. So this is going to be a really, really good game. Um, I expect Colorado State to win, though, and probably move up even more in the rankings uh, with two quality wins on their, under their belt. And even if they don't, they're still a good team. Um, and then you have Villanova who beat number 14, North Carolina, 83 to 81 in overtime. This is the first mention of battle for Atlantis games. There will be much more. Um, speaking of that, Memphis beat number 20, Arkansas, 84 to 79. That was also a battle for Atlantis game. Um, after Arkansas had gone to overtime with Stanford the night before, um, which I my thoughts about that one. Um, but then number 19, FAU beat number 12, Texas A&M, uh, 96 to 89. That was a big win for FAU to bounce back uh, after, you know, the potential questions about how good this team could be um, after their loss to Bryant. And then FAU also then hammered Virginia Tech um, in the championship game of the ESPN Events Invitational. They won that game 84 to 50. And all of a sudden they have moved back in uh, to the top 15, uh, which completely deserved. Um, but then you go to BYU who beat NC State. They won the Vegas showdown. They are now 6-0 on the season. They beat San Diego State, a final four team from last year earlier already. Um, they put up 100 in two of their other games and 93 in their other non-conference game. Look, they've won every game by 40 against not against non-high-major opponents. And then they beat Arizona State 77-49 and put up this performance against NC State. This is a really, really good team. I did not expect the Big 12 to get extra depth out of the teams they were adding. Uh, but BYU has actually is actually starting to provide that. I don't think necessarily that you know UCF or Cincinnati are going to be great. I think Cincinnati can be good, but I didn't think they were going to get two ranked teams this year. Um, obviously, Houston being the other one, but we knew Houston was going to be a big, big basketball addition for the Big 12. Um, but, you know, BYU was a game that people thought might be a gimme game considering how good the Big 12 has been. It's not going to be at all. They, they are probably going to end in the top half of the conference. Um, would, would not be surprised at all uh, if they're a tournament team. I think they will be. Um, and then you have number 13, Baylor, speaking of the Big 12, who beat Florida 95 to 91. Baylor just continues to look really, really good. Um, even when people question their roster, they replace so well. They're so well coached. Um, and they're already back into the top 10, which I believe their Twitter account tweeted that was it's the fifth year in a row that they've made an appearance in the top 10, which is really, really good. But I mean, that's what Scott Drew does. Uh, he's a great coach, and that program has been great as a result. Then you have number 14, North Carolina, who beat number 20, Arkansas, in the second place game. Uh, or sorry, the third place game for the battle for Atlantis. They won 87 to 72. Um, and then the finals of that event actually were, uh, it was a Villanova win uh, over Memphis by a score of 79 to 63. 
a huge, huge win for Villanova there to win the battle for Atlantis. Looking really good after that loss to Penn, knocked them out of the top 25. Um, Since then, they have beaten Maryland by 17, beaten Texas Tech by 16, beaten North Carolina in overtime, and beat Memphis by 16. So safe to say Villanova is back at the level that people thought they could be at at the beginning of the year, maybe even a little bit better. Um, Then I'll move on to Ohio State, who beat number 17 Alabama, 92 to 81. And then Oklahoma, who beat number 23 USC, 72 to 70. Um, Ohio State would then go on to beat Santa Clara 86 to 56 to win the Emerald Coast Classic. I didn't realize I had a second page of, of college basketball games. So I actually probably already mentioned some of these games, but Villanova beat Memphis to win the Battle for Atlantis and FAU beat Virginia Tech to win the ESPN Invitational. Totally forgot I had written that down, but um, I won't talk about the more because I already did talk about them. But those three uh, event winners there for Ohio State as well after beating Alabama uh, in the semis. And then you had number nine, excuse me, number 12, Texas A&M beat Iowa State 73 to 69 in the third place game uh, of the ESPN Events Invitational. A good win for A&M, a good bounce back without two of their top three players after losing that game to FAU. And then finally, last night, you had Utah who beat St. Mary's 78 to 71. Both of those teams record-wise don't look like tournament teams because one of them is three and four, one of them is four and three. But I think as the year goes on, uh, they'll play better and they'll both at least be near the bubble. Uh, especially when you look at St. Mary's, who was actually a preseason favorite over Gonzaga for like the first time in forever. Um, and I think Utah will do a good job of competing towards the top end of the Pac-12 uh, and will make the tournament as a result. But that is all I have for this week. Uh, that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, December 5th, where we will once again look back at my weekend predictions, look at conference championships in college football week 13 of the NFL. Uh, have another review of the NBA season, and have another look at college basketball. In the meantime, be sure to check out my additional content, including the 4th and 24 college football poll that is posted every Monday, um, although I think last week might have been the final week. Maybe maybe we'll do another one a- after the playoff committee. I'm not sure, though. Um, then the NCAA tournament bracket that will be posted tomorrow, and my picks for next weekend's games that will be posted, as always, on Thursday. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.